0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, as we get into it. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. What a great suggestion for a Friday night. And it being Friday, I see familiar faces. Of course, in one case, it could be any day. And I see <laughs> it's true, when you're on the uh, rotation. Uh, I'm on the bench getting
1: re- waiting to be called in.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, you are. It's a very deep bench. Uh,
1: <laughs> it is. I'm number 35.
0: David Sparrow is the president of ACTRA. How are you doing? Good to see you. Long time no see. Fantastic.
1: We have a talk radio alert in the city of Toronto. I was checking the thermometer, and this is the place to be for Hot Talk Radio. You got I'm
0: it, you got it. Michael Giles is with us as well. He's been in government 30 years at the federal, provincial, and municipal levels. How's Michael? And
2: Michael's very good. Just get off the Don Valley
0: Park. All right. And get on the microphone. Uh, that's it. We want to make sure your mic is square and good to go. That's all right, Michael. We know you're here, president and accounted for. We heard some murmuring in the background. John Capobianco, senior VP, senior partner, and national practice lead for public affairs in Fleischmann Hilliard's Toronto office. He, likewise, all three levels of government. He's been a party operative uh, with the PCs primarily. I'm guessing. Uh, almost exclusively, I'd say I was going to say, yeah. I just wondered if somewhere along the line, maybe you had an epiphany in your youth and decided on the road to Damascus, you switched from... Well, marijuana wasn't legal back then, so... doesn't. Let me ask, because uh, here's, you know, this is... This is political theater to my mind, but I don't know if there's any merit to what he's doing. Jerry Diaz was in Windsor earlier today. We played the clip the last hour, several of which. I mean, he's in high dudgeon. I get it. Uh, But is his fight that he's waging here to save jobs at GM in Oshawa worthwhile, or do you see it likewise as futile political theater? But let's roll tape. This is the rally earlier in Windsor today where Jerry issued a challenge to any politicians who may hear his message. I want you to go to the bathroom. I want you to look in the mirror! And I want you to look at yourself! And I want you to ask yourself, am I doing enough? Am I doing anything? All right, well, Mr. Sparrow, <laughs> you're the head of ACTRA. I am. You understand, I mean, uh, when you represent a lot of jobs and people, uh, you've got to represent very forcefully, forthrightly, and so on and so forth. I mean, what's going on with Jerry here?
1: Well, every union leader needs to know their membership and to know what will move them and and make them passionate about the appeal that they're they're launching. And I'll just say that n- never is a fight to retain jobs within Canada a wasted effort. Uh, this is. Uh, um, a really unfortunate situation that's taking place and it's fantastic that uh, the union is stepping up and maybe not so fantastic that the various level levels of government are not uh, supporting those efforts to save those jobs Uh, to some his uh, rhetoric will seem over the top and and theatrical, and to others they will be moved uh, by it. I I know that that level of of, of theater perhaps uh, wouldn't necessarily work with my membership, but at the same time uh, I I think that uh, he knows his own members.
0: All right, because you represent actors, and they would mm-hmm. kind of see that and say, uh, hey,
1: they would critique it, is what they would do. <laughs> they
0: would there'd be a review rather than rah rah and man the barricades and that kind of stuff. Yeah, they'd be saying, you know how I would have done that? <laughs> right. I wouldn't have been so harsh. <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of Mort Saul, the uh, venerable comedian, uh, who used to, he say, for recording purposes, he'd record outside of Los Angeles because if he had friends and industry types and he'd crack a joke, instead of laughing, they'd go, you know, that's funny. And uh, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work on the album. So, uh, Or
1: they'd say, you know what would be funnier? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the kind of... Well, all right, uh, but is he peddling false hope? You know, on this premise that uh, he's in a position where he's got to be seen to defend, and uh, Michael Giles is a political operative. What do you say? I mean, Justin Trudeau's MIA, he's uh, Jerry Diaz has accused Doug Ford of uh, also not being found on this file. Uh, What do you say to that?
2: Well, I I mean, the first thing is, uh, um, I
0: think the... uh, Hang on. Let me see if we can get this microphone sorted out. There you go. Uh, The roadie fixed it. All right. No, how am I supposed to work? On okay. <laughs> well, let me ask John Capobianco, and we'll fix your microphone in the interim. Go ahead, Johnny.
3: Well, I was going to say he's he's in a tough position, and as a union leader, and certainly as a, as. A as a personality that he has, I think there's no question he has to do what he's doing. There's, he's got a membership base. He's playing to his membership base as most politicians would uh, and do. Uh, so him doing nothing would be obviously uh, uh, quite traumatic for uh, and tragic for his members. So he's got to do something. But the problem is, I think this issue has, has been has been on the on the on the brinks for a long, long time. This has not just happened. GM just not did not just spring this on on people. Uh, this has been going on for some time. And I think that there might have been some inactivity from the union for some time before this came about, so I think there's a problem there, but, but um, look, GM's made it pretty clear that they're not doing anything. Uh, they can't do anything about this. The only thing he can do is keep you know, beating the chests and, and, and sort of getting out there and getting his members uh, riled up, uh, and that's good for him, for the unions. The politicians are not, you know, they're, they're not going to sit by and, and let GM shut down for the sake of uh, having to shut down. They're going to try to get other industries or other companies to come in and try to do something that might uh, save some jobs. Well, he was critical of Doug Ford right off the hop. He said, you know, Doug Ford, when he met with, uh, I
0: guess it was the uh, person in charge, Mr. Patterson, there initially, and was told they're shutting things down, uh, that Sunday afternoon he said, well, that's pretty much it. This is, uh, you know, the ship has sailed, I believe were the words he used. You think that uh, Jerry calls out a
3: betrayal? Well, no. I think it, it's reality. I think what Doug realizes, and the premier realizes, that he's got the information that was given to him, and he basically said, "Look, this is what's happening, and we have to make sure that we understand the reality of it and face the reality and move on and try to do something, as opposed to just crying foul and telling people to look at themselves in the bathroom," as he's, as, been, as the clip would said. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, um, uh, he's got to do this. It, it, it's it's his his minute in fame. He's got uh, he's got commercials now that are out there that are uh, that are getting some. Some some people riled up. But um, uh, the reality is, though, John, I'm not sure anything's going to happen with Jim on this front. I think the only thing they can do is if they can get the Tesla or other groups or some other foreign companies to come in and do some work there and save some jobs, that's probably the best they can do at some point.
0: Well, uh, even enticing that uh, a cadre of workers in a Tesla plant would be, you know, somewhat of a marginal victory. But, you know, as an avowed liberal here, Michael Giles, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau, you know, he's famous for virtue signaling and talking about things like, well, we're going to get that pipeline built. Uh, even though he's still got a square reconciliation with the native bands that are protesting and so on and so forth, he's MIA on this file too, isn't he?
2: Well, I think there's a, there's a reality to this situation. And, and, and on will credit to Doug Ford when he came out and said what he said. The reality is I don't, nothing was going to change GM's mind. And frankly, if they were going to be saving any plant, it would be probably one in the United States in view of the political climate down there. So sadly, this is, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, I hate to say it and ca- cast it in these terms. It's, it's a bit of an exercise in futility. What would convince General Motors to reverse the decision that they've just made with respect to the Oshawa plant? I don't see anything. I don't, you know, there's nothing. And so the only hope is that somebody else will step in and do that, whether it's Tesla or someone else. But speaking to John's point, I mean, I don't think think Jerry uh, Dias has any option but to do this. I mean, what's he going to do? Just sit there and say, "Okay, I accept this? No, he has to speak up for his members and and do whatever he feels he can. But, you know, the reality is reality. It's, uh, you know, the tornado is blowing through and the building's down. I I don't think there's much they're going to do to rebuild it. All
0: right. Uh, That's a rather dire prediction, but I think it's a truthful one. Nonetheless, let me ask about something else that happened earlier today with the Supreme Court of Canada voting on something that had become a political hot potato for a while in... uh, The Harper years, Stephen Harper's government decided if you're outside of the country for more than five years, that for all intents and purposes disqualifies you from voting in federal elections, even though you're a Canadian citizen. Justin Trudeau reversed that uh, just about a month ago, and... uh, I guess pending this decision from the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court went along saying this is an unjustified violation of the Constitution. If you're a Canadian citizen, you could have been away like Neil Young for 30 years, David Foster, uh, Donald Sutherland, and you still get to vote in a Canadian federal election. Uh, where the dissenting opinion, by the way, the majority voted 5-2. to two. The dissent, though, says, no, you've got to have some connection to your community or the broader constituency, the the riding, in other words. Now, I know you ran, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Sparrow. So, I mean, you're very, very close to the ground on this. And you also represent actors who may be, what, are they actor members if they've been living for 40 years in L.A.?
1: Well, absolutely. Many of them are doing work on both sides of the border. but I But, but I if think they more- never
3: come back...
1: I I hear you, and I'll just say this. Your connection is the fact that you're a citizen of this country. And if you've given up your citizenship then by all means, you've given up your right to vote. But if you're still a citizen of this country, then you have a right to say something at least about its federal government. Um, my my lovely wife is a citizen of the United States and of Canada, and she belongs to Democrats abroad. And uh, thank God she casts her vote um, every uh, federal election down there in the States uh, to try to bring some kind of sanity to what's going on in the country of her birth.
0: What are there are about 20,000 by uh, some people's estimates of expat Americans. Uh, I guess, that still vote. They're American citizens, obviously, so they're not disqualified. They live in Toronto proper.
1: Oh, yeah. The, um, again, uh, my my wife has gone out to the Democrats abroad meetings that that take place, and there are lots of uh, lots of people, and they're active, and they're active all year round trying to keep people charged up about their, uh, their right to vote in the U.S. elections. So back to this question, I say absolutely. Uh, my brother lives uh, in uh, just outside of Seattle and, and works for uh, a big computer firm there, and he votes uh, in, in Canadian elections and the ones that he's uh, able but to he's do But so. he's been
0: back. I'm assuming he's sort of come back to the country.
1: But, no, since 92, he's been living in the United exclusively. States. Exclusively. Yeah. I mean, he visits, but well, he doesn't work here. Okay. So, no, no. So, and he doesn't own, but he still he visits. own a home here. He does yeah. visit. Sure. But this is yeah. like
0: people never return. <laughs> or in a, another scenario, uh, let's say you're born to Canadian parents and... You've now grown up but never set foot into the country. Do you still get a vote in our
3: federal elections? Well, see, that's the difference, and I think. And and I would say, you know, there was a test case with a a gentleman by the name of Michael Ignatieff, who I happened to run against. Heard of him. (laughs) So so he was just visiting, wasn't he? He I think he was out of the country. I believe he was
1: coronated, as I understand. (laughs) He was out of the
3: country for 30-plus years, and he ended up running for leader of the party. Mm. Uh, So voting uh, after five years probably seems like a vacation to some people. But, um, you know, so and he was able to do that, and, and I guess nowadays with with social media you know even if you're out of the country you could still keep Quite active and, and learned about about issues that are happening in your home country. Uh, in this case, if you're a Canadian and you're abroad for five years, it still keeps you up to date on what's happening, so you can sort of keep uh, linked into to Canadian politics and Canadian issues, which makes you you know relevant. So if you want to ro- vote and 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 sometimes, but I think the two dissenting judges have a point of view, which is you know if you want to vote and actually truly truly be a, a be a conscience, then be in the community, be part of it, be understanding of, of it, and then vote the way you think it is. Is ba- based on you living in it and suffering the consequences of your vote as opposed to voting from abroad uh, and not having to deal with uh, the, whoever wins the uh, the election. Yeah. Can we not...
1: go with the benefits instead of the consequences? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty
2: <laughs> dire. Uh-huh. Well, li- uh, we're talking about a Liberal government <laughs> yeah, federally, yeah. so
3: I'm talking consequences. Right, yeah. <laughs>
0: He's talking like a member of the NDP. It's all about the benefits. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and Michael, finally.
2: No, I'm, I'm a citizen of the Republic of Ireland. I don't get to vote in those elections. And I can't imagine voting in those elections. I've lived in Canada since I was a kid, since 1973. I think. You could run for leader there I, you know, actually, I probably could. I might win. But the uh, the, the other thing is, you know, this is probably the blue moon outside, but it, I agree with Stephen Harper on this. Five years, I think, is a reasonable <laughs> thing. Stop the
0: presses. I can't believe it
2: for just a moment. Five years is reasonable. Mm. Uh, something who's lived out of the country for 40 years, speaking to John's point, say, you know, if you're living in California or something you've, and you've hardly come back to Canada, well, you're, you're going to be voting and having an impact on who governs this country, but you're not going to have any impact or you're not going to have any effects of that because you don't live here.
1: But you realize that five years is just really one election cycle. So it's like you left and so-and-so was prime minister, yeah. and now five years later they're saying, no, you're not allowed to vote for a new guy because you've lost touch. Well, it- it's, it's but just I think that's one reasonable. election. And, cycle.
2: You know, one of the other things is if you're, you know, a child born to parent Canadian parents and you have the right to vote, what writing do you vote in if you've never lived in the country? That does become problematic
0: unless you can uh, show some kind of tie to the land. Uh, which <laughs> choose your up own on, A whole Pandora's box.
3: <laughs> in Mark, Michael's case, he flew over Canada. Yeah. So
0: that was his time. <laughs> it is over country. Uh, how about these folks, these actors down there? They still pay their actor dues?
1: <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Regularly? Yes, yes, yes wow. absolutely. You know what? You know what? Is we live in such a, in terms of actors, we live in such a great uh, continent in terms of North America. As people are working all over, um, we have opportunities for SAG-AFTRA members to come up here and work under permits, and for actor members to work down in the states become members of SAG-AFTRA. And so you never know where your next gig is going to take you.
0: All right. So you're covering your you-know-what mm-hmm. just by uh, virtue of paying dues. That's correct. Otherwise you'd be shut out from any of the productions.
1: Well, you, w- you would certainly have some complications in in uh, <laughs> getting into the next uh, production. You might be cast in it, but it might cost you some money in terms of permits or other things because you've given up that membership that you worked very hard to attain.
0: I got you. We'll come back. Uh, Still on the political front, i got to find out uh, what Maxine Bernier is thinking, uh, and we'll put it to our panel. Michael Giles, John Capobianco, and David Sparrow on The Oakley Show, topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And so we say to General Motors, you haven't seen anything yet! Thanks for listening to The John Oakley Show Podcast.